Blog Talk Radio. Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is The Big Show. You found it. I sure am glad you did. I am super, super excited for today's episode. We've got a uh, returning guest. Uh, He's done the show once before, but we're talking about something, um, uh, well, not cooler, but as cool as before. Um, Our guest today is Mr. Darren Gordon-Smith, and he and the gang have a brand new film that just dropped. Uh, called The Second Age of Aquarius. It's a uh, comedy sci-fi film, and it is very funny. I I really liked it. Darren, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. And it's great to know that you liked the film. Oh yeah, man. It was it was it was awesome. It was out of sight and groovy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It was fantastic. Um, now this just dropped. It's out on demand everywhere, right? Uh, Prime, iTunes, Apple TV, all of YouTube, uh, yeah. Vimeo, all of it. Very it's cool. just about oh, everywhere. Yeah, it's just about everywhere where you where you you know streaming platforms. I also have a soundtrack which is available in, on iTunes, Amazon, and most places where you get your music. And we have nice. a companion book. That's that's sold on Amazon. How cool is that? Now we have um, links up of every uh, to everything. Uh, the, uh, the the main website, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of that. Um, I will be also adding the links to the companion book. Uh, we don't have those on the show page as of yet. As soon as the show's done today. Those will be up, ladies and gentlemen. Those will be up. <laughs> and, uh, and a link to the soundtrack as well. Um, how cool, man. That is oh, that's so smart. That is so smart, you know, um, having all this stuff together. Now, this is a project um, that you and uh, Stacey Lane Wilson, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, uh, put together, started out. Tell us about it. Who had the idea? Was it just... Over dinner one night, you guys came up with it. How did it happen? Okay, well, um, it's this is our second age of Aquarius. Aquarius, is, everybody knows, it's our new sci-fi rock and roll uh, rom-com. And how it started out was Stacy Wilson and I. Uh, we started out doing a short story together called Phantom Fandom. And that's what became the Second Age of Aquarius. Now, Stacey Lane Wilson, she she co-wrote the Second Age of Aquarius with me. She also directed it. Um, and basically, she had the initial idea. She said, you know what? I'm thinking about writing a story. And I don't know anything else except some girl, she's like, makes a computer avatar of her favorite dead rock star. And the dead rock star comes to life. So she wrote a paragraph, or she wrote like a couple pages, and that was like the, the chapter. And she just throws it on me. She goes, okay, your turn. 
So (laughs) after that chapter, I'm like, okay, well, let's see. So we went back and forth, chapter by chapter by chapter. Um, this this thing involves this dead rock star who's fictitious by the name of Russell Aquarius. And for the right. most part, she handled the Alberta Stevens uh, part. Now, that's the girl, the young woman, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, a computer coder. She's like an expert person, and she made this avatar come to life basically some through some weird mad science thing. We don't get into that except it just happens that there's this guy in her house who now won't right. leave. And right. so a lot of it was like it came to me to like think I, I guess I'd have to say I'm more the uh, the Russell Aquarius guy and she's more the Alberta Stevens woman. Um, and so I guess I get to uh, go through my inner rock star by by uh, channeling Russell Aquarius. So ah. we did this, this so we did this whole book. We we're like, oh man, or sorry, sorry brother. And we we're like, let's let's make this into a film. And um, you know, from that I thought, well, geez, you know, we keep talking about this this rock star and of course the guy when he wakes up and he was supposed to have died in nineteen seventy, he was he wakes up thinking like, oh, well, you know, it's 1970 and somehow he's just in another groupie's house waking up after another one of his long drug-fueled sessions. But he has to realize this is 2022 and what are all these weird gadgets everybody's got and who is this crazy groupie? (laughs) And, you know, he's pretty enlightened except when it comes to being a, a chauvinist, so he he starts to treat Alberta like you know she's just some groupie, and maybe what what do girls do like yeah, I don't know be like a, a nurse or a teacher or waitress right. or whatever. He just can't get over like that. She's like she's his creator, and uh, there's it's a touching, hopefully a funny movie. But you know she she's you know she's she's paying that rock star, <laughs> and so uh, but she 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 cares for him, she's banging him, she doesn't love him because she knows he's not a real person, but you know there's a lot going on, and so when we were doing this, I started hearing the music. This is Russell Aquarius. He, he wrote these hits in the late 1960s. And so I started thinking of the music. And from that, I wrote uh, uh, the soundtrack, which is his songs, Russell's songs. And I wrote them to sound like they came from the 1960s. And how I did mm-hmm. it is by using vintage gear, a uh, great friend in a, a music studio in Nashville, had us use all the vintage recording equipment from that era. So hopefully it sounds really like legit from that era. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 there, there's no, you know, fruity loops on this. Um, And not that people would even be able to tell, but uh, musicians, I think uh, definitely could tell it. It does. It sounds like it was recorded back, you know, back in the day, um, 
You know, you, you don't have those hard gate cutoffs and stuff. It's it's cool, man. It's very cool. Uh, it almost sounds like you found like some demos or something, some old reel-to-reel tapes that somebody had recorded back then, and said, "Well, hey, uh, <laughs> this is gold." Let's use it. But you didn't. You wrote it. That's cool. There was that. I know that you're a composer and you write, a, you know, a lot of music and whatnot and some big stuff. Um, is that normally when you when you're doing your painting, so to speak, um, do you channel like the vibe like that normally, or are you do you? Um, is it easy to go? Okay, well, this is the this is the gig. This is the job. This is what we need to accomplish. Um, how does that creative process work? Because it just sounds like almost you just give yourself over to it. You know? Yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of us fellow musicians can can testify that you know, if you're really into music, you'll sit down and. Seven hours have gone by, and you didn't even realize you didn't take a break. You didn't right. eat food. You know, you're so into it. And I think that's really perceptive what you say about it's not, you know, it's not, you know, Fruity Loops, FL Studios. It's not what 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 this music was is a, a departure for me um, in terms of uh, making music that wasn't really on a grid. Um, and just right. to explain for a lot of listeners, you know, in the old days, they didn't play to a click track. You know, the bands would play, and they were a little bit looser than they are today. And our ears will hear things and say, nah, something doesn't sound right, because in our minds, everything has to be nudged over a nanosecond, so everything's just perfectly, like you said, gated and all that. And that's Plastic great. Sounding. I love that kind of music. Yeah, but but I wanted to make something that was loose, that um, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a fine line between you make loose music versus you don't want to be sloppy. But listening to all this music in from the late '60s, I, I first of all I love that music anyway. But I did right. like a thorough research into this bizarre bands back then, things that I didn't even know about. Um, but one thing I realized is even with let's say groups like Vanilla Fudge or Steppenwolf, you can hear just a little bit of lag between, let's say, the organ and the guitar. Sometimes they don't come in just right on time. And you can you know that because you can hear one channel, let's say it's the right channel, will be the organ on your headphones, and the left channel will be the guitar. And when they come back in, on, let's say Born to be Wild, it's not totally on that nanosecond like the kind of music that we think of today. It's a little bit less, and that gives that feel, right? And I'll I'll tell the listeners, that's where the soul is, baby. That is where the, the real soul lies, I think. Um, because yeah. you're absolutely right there. You're absolutely right. You know what it is, is when they made that, Nobody had a computer screen with it all, you know, peeked out and everything right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a guy sitting. If they were if they had money when they recorded it, they were in a big studio in front of one of them big giant boards that we've all seen in movies with a million 
you know, looks like the guy's going to take an airplane off, um, you know, <laughs> or launch a rocket or something. But, uh, you know, now it's all on a screen and it's all, and I think, you know, I think, and it's weird too, because people say, well, electronic music did that. I'm like, I don't know. Because if you, if you listen to old craft work and stuff like that, they were still doing all those different channels and everything. And, you know, there was, the, the lag, the space, the soul space, you know, and uh, I just think it's great. I um, but this music fits into that. It, it's very, very cool. I I really, really dug it, and um, I did when I watched the film too. I, um, I I was wearing headphones when I watched it, and um, you know, I I I, I kind of picked up a little bit. I'm like, this is cool. like I said. I thought you had just you know work the swap meet or something and found a box of old, you know, reel to reel discs or, or tapes or whatever. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was well, a demo from back in the day or something. It was cool, well, man. It was thanks, really, really thank cool. Thank you. And, and, and no, ask, it takes, did you have, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You finish your thought first. Well, I was going to say that since it takes place in 2022, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. I did the scoring for the film, not just the songs, but I did score the underscore. And I wanted to make a, a big distinction between when, uh, when, yeah, when yeah. it's, yeah. So, so Russell Aquarius, he, he either has this old sound or it's like kind of a retro futuristic sound, like, you know, future shock or, you know, the, uh, the, the song popcorn from the late sixties, early seventies, one of the first synthesizer hits. Um, so, but I wanted to have a change. So when it's showed from the perspective of Alberta, the character today, well, I have some things that kind of reference modern stuff like UK drill beats and stuff like that. So I wanted to have that juxtaposition of the old and the new. It works. It works, man. It works. It was cool. It was very cool. And I also liked, um, you know, Stacey really captured um, uh, Alberta's, you know, trials and tribulations and and the the drudgery of the day, of the modern era. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, Russell's amazed. At, at, well, not a maid, but, but surprise, you know, what is that in your hand? Does everybody have one of those? You know, speaking about her, yeah, carrying her cell phone, like every person does today. Um, <laughs> except me, I don't use a phone, but, uh, but my wife does. That has been the topic. We've had many conversations about that. Are you watching this show? Well, put your phone down. How can you watch the show? And get your phone <laughs> uh, oh, I know the feeling. And, and in fact, yeah. at a certain point, Russell's thinking, I must have taken some bad acid. Like, I don't know what is right. all this weird shit that I'm seeing. Um, but he's like, oh, man, I need some enlightenment. He's like, what do you guys do for enlightenment in this modern age? And, and Alberta has to stop and think about it. She's like, uh, I don't know. I guess people shop and, <laughs> and, and yeah. earn money so they can buy more stuff. And he's like, oh, I hate this modern age. I wanted to make kind of some comments uh, about things today that are good and bad, things that were good and bad Mm -hmm. back in the 60s, Um, you know, and, and, and of course, do this in 
hopefully an entertaining and comical way. Because the guy's really kind of like, uh, you know, Spinal Tap meets uh, Jim Morrison. Actually, the great guy, the guy who plays Russell is who's phenomenal mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> by the name of Michael Ursu. He, uh, to my mind, he looks like uh, he looks like as if Jim Morrison were being played in a movie by Paul Rudd, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> we're like, he's perfect. And and Christina Jacqueline Kalp, she's the lead in this movie, and she plays Alberta. And I just can't say enough about her. She is so funny, but she, you know, she shows a big emotional arc in this in this movie and that's a lot to try to carry off with basically two people in a film not not really going anywhere but we try to to just from the from the dialogue and from the I hope uh, the great acting I think they really pull it off oh absolutely absolutely you know and she's got her issues you know with leaving the house and all and the work issues she's Dealing with a creep at work, uh, Julio, you know, and and all this and that, and you know, I mean, it's 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 the modern era, you know. I, I'm telling you, I'm watching the film, and I'm thinking to myself, and you know, just whenever you look at art or listen to music or, or what have you, um, or watch a film, you always put yourself in it, you know. You're you're like, oh well, you know. And I was, you know, she was dealing with her stuff. And it so reminded me of my every day when my wife gets home from work. It's just our relationship. I know for 30 to 45 minutes when she gets home, I will be caught up on all the stuff that happens about people I have never met in my life. I know that what's <laughs> going on, who's having a bad day, you know, all this kind of stuff. Who's trying to do her dirty, you know, and, and it's just, it, it seems that that's, the age we live in. And I think what's cool is you guys in a comical way, but not a slapstick way this by no means. And going into this, I didn't know because at first I'm thinking, well, is this going to be kind of a John Waters type deal or how are they going to approach (laughs) this? And um, it was campy to an extent, but it wasn't slapstick camp. You know what I mean? Um, There was some very cool messaging in it. And I thought it was just done very, very well, you know, good addict, good writing, good, uh, good production. Um, fantastic acting. Fantastic. Christina and Michael knocked it out of the park, man. I'll tell you old Martin Olsen playing Sid at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh fantastic. my God. And Brooke Lewis you know? Bellis is who plays oh, the mom and she entered her inner Philly chick for that. She she you. just I I think all the, a lot of these the smaller parts you know we wanted to make them as memorable as possible and and the actors delivered on that um, so Absolutely. yeah you're right I, I we didn't want it slapsticky it's you know it's it's more of a I don't know it's a dialogue driven movie um, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we, I, I think it's also a testament to for what filmmakers can do with a little imagination and very little money. And now, folks, a couple of quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. 
listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, The Quotable Edison, Quotable Henry Ford, uh, Quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and, of course, The Quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out. We really, we did this. Yeah, anybody, just about anybody could do this, you know, in terms of financially. You know, you you think of like production values have, have gotten so much better than, let's say, even like, 
you know, the movie Clerks from 1994, right, mm-hmm. with uh, Kevin Smith. Great film. Bargain basement, right? They worked at night. Some of the people are not even professional actors. And even at that, as I understand it, it cost about $200,000. But that's how much things cost back, you know, when you had film right. and all these other things. Oh, so yeah. We did this on a shoestring. We paid everybody. It was great. We're, we don't want anybody working for free. Um, but, you know, we pulled in favors, too. And and I think, I mean, personally, I just think, like, if you have a strong, um, you have a strong uh, script that, you know, you can, there's there's a lot you can do. You, you can't paper over a shitty script, right? <laughs> no matter right. how many right. car chases you do or something like that. So, we workshopped this and, you know, we really tightened it up over a course of about two years. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very proud of this. Now, I haven't been as proud well, as this, doing movies since I did Repo. Which is a classic, a classic. I'll tell you, Repo has one of those, I, I got to tell you, Dan, I got you on the horn here. I have a very diverse group of friends, um, of people uh-huh. I know and whatnot. And I've got some uh, some ho- hardcore horror people. I don't like watching movies with horror movies with them because they're they're like, well, that guy's spleen didn't explode in the right. I'm like, how would you know? Are you kidding? You know, <laughs> they just pull a movie apart. It's no fun to watch a movie with them. They love yeah. Repo. They love Repo. Oh, wow. Then I have my weirdo art school friends, you know, and and my my writer friends and what. They're all you know eat up any type of dystopian soup you put in front of them. And they love, everybody loves Repo. It is a, uh, a fantastic uh, concept and film and just a piece of art. You know, it, it's uh, and I think this one is right up there with it. I was watching this and I was thinking to my, like I said, I mentioned, I didn't know if this was going to go with John Waters route or whatever, but I will tell you where this would be very easy to follow suit of what a lot of John Waters movies does is I think you guys had uh, two rooms. This was like a two location. Right. Like two, I don't know what you call it. Um, there was only like a couple things. It was almost Hitchcockian in a way uh, from that point of view. Um, you could put this, this could be converted to a stage production, a musical man, Broadway, you know, very. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I And, you know, it's like with Repo, we don't own the stage rights, unfortunately. So I almost right. maybe three or four times a year at minimum, I get people who are like uh, somebody in a, a, a theater company in England wants to do a stage production. And I, I can't, right. help, you know, I can't do it. But, of course, I think as you would know and maybe many of your listeners know, that uh, Repo, the genetic opera, has shadow cast fans, people who acted out Rocky Horror style in midnight movies throughout the world. So um, I I, I definitely, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I did it obviously with a lot of great, talented people too. But um, I'm very proud of it. I, I am happy that Rolling Stone magazine said it's, you know, up there with the top 25 cult movies of all time. Um, oh, and yeah. Leonard Maltin liked the film of all people. Um, 
but you know, I, I definitely felt like when I was doing the second age of Aquarius that I really like movies that have a strong musical component. To me, that's really what interests me the most. And I think that things that have a strong musical component, they have legs. People want to watch them mm-hmm. over and over again. And you know, they know they want to know their favorites, you know, music that they that that, that that that's going on. I just think like making a movie that's, you know, I'd love to make a hit movie that's, but a lot of them are just like forgotten the next day. You don't want to watch it again. Um, this this one is uh, hopefully people are going to be turned on by the soundtrack by you know there's there's plenty of things going on that you know subtle things in the movie and hopefully they'll turn on their friends too to this film absolutely absolutely um two thoughts real quick i, I years ago years ago i was um i, I a friend of mine we, we were having we used to have throw these because i don't know we were hopelessly poor we were always trying to have better parties than everybody else we were going <laughs> to have a um a, a cool musical-based film night with all of our friends, you know, all of our hmm. 20 friends or whatever. And uh-huh. uh, there was going to be a lot of drinking and, and what have you and debauchery and whatnot. And so my friend immediately was like, you know, we were putting the list down because you have to, and placement was very important, we felt, because, you know, after movie four, the party's kind of probably going to be winding down, you know, you're eight hours in or whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> Only the real crazies were going to be around at the, hanging on at that point. And uh, my my friend was like, "Well, what about you know? We got to put Phantom of the Opera or uh, not Phantom, Phantom of the Paradise, Brian De Palma, and um, Phantom of the Opera. What am I thinking? No, Phantom of the Paradise." And I'm like, "Well, you know, Swan's great and everything, but I'm sorry, Repo has to come before uh, Phantom of the Paradise. That's just you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm making an executive decision here." <laughs> And it did, well, and it was a great I, um, Okay, well, I take that as a compliment. And, uh, yeah, no. you know, the Phantom of the Paradise was up there in the, the uh, top 25 cult films. We uh, When we did Repo, when we started it out, which was started out as a stage show in L.A. and off-Broadway in New York, um, we would always bill it as kind of like uh, Blade Runner meets Rocky Horror P- Picture Show. Right. And we're so happy that when we look at this list of the top 25 cult films of all time, there's Rocky Horror in there and there's Blade Runner. So, you know, I I, I do feel like we did something right. Um, uh, Well, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. But back to music, you are so right with music and film. And I I got on this, um, during the pandemic, I got on this kick where I've been watching all this weird stuff on YouTube. And when I say that, ladies and gentlemen, believe me, your mind's going way weirder than, than you know, pull it back a little bit. Not that weird <laughs> stuff on YouTube. Um, no, but I've been watching just different stuff. And one of the things that I really enjoy is um, a lot of these kids are making these reactions. They'll watch a movie and put, you know, really you only see about five minutes of the movie. It's all just little clips and them talking about it. Um, but whatever. I, don't, I guess that's how they get around the coffee. I don't know. I'm not in that it's not my thing, but I do watch them. And um, I've been watching these kids, these young kids discover the movie uh, recently because they go in these like little patterns. Uh, they've been watching Rocky 
the Sylvester Stallone Rocky film. And so I've been watching, you know, a lot of Rocky clips. Great movie. It's a fantastic romance movie. A lot of people don't realize that was a definitely more of a romance movie than a boxing movie. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is what I realized watching that is the music is so, and not just the, you know, the the running up the stairs music, but the Uh lonely, sad, and dejected, and, oh, my life's just terrible type music. You know, the lonely really? music. Yeah, it's <laughs> in there. And I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm, I'm watching one of them, and I'm going, this movie would be terrible without that music because it wouldn't slow that character along. And mm-hmm. I think the music, the scoring and whatnot in this, and the music in um, The Second Age of Aquarius, does that also. It moves the story, not that the story needed help being moved along. It just adds to it, you know? And well, thank uh, you. It's really good. Yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, I almost forgot. I'm so excited. We're sitting here BSing and talking, which is good. It's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but we've got two tracks you sent over from the film. We've got Blue Movie and the Neverending Cosmic Tour. Let's play one of them, man, so people know what we're talking about. Um, okay. What do you think we should play? Uh, why don't you play Blue Movie first? This is yeah, this is it. Russell's hit. I call them unreleased hits, <laughs> but <laughs> Russell's hit from 1968. Fantastic! Let's check this out, everybody. This is what we're talking about. And listen, listen to that little half a nanosecond lag in there. Stag drink, drag chick, suck it to me, baby. <laughs> Baby, 
Um, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's all good. Well, in success for an indie film, what a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, I, you mentioned the next projects and whatnot. So what, how this works usually, folks, is, um, you know, uh, Darren and Stacy will take a meeting with, uh, you know, some guy in an office somewhere. Um, could be over lunch. Who knows? But usually it's in an office. Yeah. And um, they, it's called a pitch meeting. They have an idea. They have a, you know, maybe a little five-minute concept video they've done and, you know, kind of push the idea. And one of the first questions um, that people ask uh, in the meeting, the, the person they're talking to, well, one of the first things they think is, well, what's their track record? <laughs> what have they done? Yeah. Um, can they deliver what they're saying? Um, because before I write a big check here, um, I need to know that, you know. And that makes sense. It's logical. Yeah. Um, it, so a successful film, you know, oh, well, these are the folks that did the second age of Aquarius. I, uh, you know, yeah. my, my kids play that soundtrack constantly. I can't get it out of my head. Um, that goes a long way. That helps with that pitch meeting. Uh, <laughs> pitch meeting goes a lot easier. Yeah, that's for right sure. There. Yeah, um, when you got something. And, and when you have the right ears, you know, the receptive for doing stuff like this. I mean, a lot mm. of pitch meetings would be like, uh, well, who do you sound like? Or what is that? What right. film are you pattering this after? It's like, well, right. uh, why would I be pat? Why would I even spend my time doing anything that patterns anything? That just it makes no sense to me. It's like I, I get it that from a from a business point of view, coming up with a market based approach to creativity makes some sense, which oh. is to say. You know, I don't work like that. I just work and I create stuff, and then I'm trying to think, like, well, how can I market this? But that's after. Right. It's not like, oh, uh, well, these people, here's my favorite artist, and I'm going to sound just like them so that I know that I'll have a niche. Um, I know Absolutely. that makes a lot of sense, but that's just not how I've ever worked. No, man. You can't. And, you know, it's. We're, we're working in innovation here, folks. We're, we're starting trends, not following them. You know, that's, that's the key. Right. And that's really where the success comes through. You know, if you look at a lot of stuff that's, that's just in, in whatever genre, you know, whatever art you're, you're talking about, if, let's talk about film. If you look at something that, you know, when George Lucas sat down with Star Wars, he didn't say, well, I'm trying to make a, because there wasn't any Star Wars before it. He had Star Trek, but way different, you know? He said, let's, let's right. do a Western approach. Um, you know, and the thing is, is you're right. The, the right people have to be receptive to that idea and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to gamble. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, there was somebody out there who thought the Beatles weren't a good investment. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I don't know if that guy's still around. He's probably jumped off a building at some point. Uh, by now, <laughs> probably. You know, uh, he never lived that down. The guitar groups are on their way out. And, um, yeah. I often thought about doing a book like called, like, What's Your Excuse? And basically you take all these bad things that people have said about now successful people, like the Beatles, mm. like you said, or, you know, Lucille Ball's acting teacher is like, you just don't have any talent for acting. You know, like all these right. things that give, just to say, well, you know, what is your excuse then? These people started out 
when, you know, nobody loves you until everybody else does. Then all of a sudden it's like, I was your first fan. It's like, you were? <laughs> right. So, but somebody's so got to have the balls to get out there and take the no's and the rejections and the people who say, you know, it's like repo. It's like, well, you can't do that. You can't have a an opera that's sung beginning to end and expect anybody to watch it. Yeah. So, you know, we, like, we did what we wanted. The great thing about rejection, and this is, this is, I'm telling you, for those in the, you know, starting a little band or something, or, or trying, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing the rock up the hill. I'm going to give you a little advice here. The great thing about rejection is it makes fantastic rocket fuel if you use it as such. You know, I hmm. love when somebody tells me I can't do something. I'm like, oh, Rick, thank you, because stand back. Here we go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nothing better. Nothing better. I, I um, like I like how you put it though. It's rocket fuel. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is that it's that fantastic log that docked through in the steam locomotive in Back to the Future Three. <laughs> Get things going. Get things yeah. going. Oh man. Well, this is a fantastic film, folks, and it's out. It is out streaming. You can watch this. You can get it. Um, you know, it's over. You get it anywhere, wherever you, you watch. I know on Amazon, I think you guys aren't charging enough for this. Man. What is it, two bucks or something? Watch on Prime Video. Yeah. Somebody has Amazon. I know you do. Um, you know, we, we've been through COVID. Everybody has Amazon probably started COVID. I'm not saying that. I'm kidding. But um, everybody sure has it now. And I'm right. something else. Everybody knows how to use a Roku player now. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no, I don't get emails from older people I know going, how do you stream that? No, everybody's got it. They got it. Right. Out. Uh, so everybody definitely can watch this. Two bucks. Two bucks on Amazon Prime, I'm telling you. Or you can own it. You can buy it. Uh, you don't just have to rent it, you know. How cool is that? Um Yeah. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com as well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. 
Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beattie, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non-profit corporation, raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another, a friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please visit our website, www.hatsonhatsoff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rockscare, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Now, I know that this is just for lease, but I have to ask, because you both are so good at what you do, um, and everybody in this, is, everybody involved was, was fantastic. Are the gears turning for the next project at this point, or is it too early to say? Uh, well, uh, Stacy and I are working on the next project, and it's another music-based project as well. Um, and nice. this time it involves the 1980s music. So that's going to be a lot oh my, of fun. You got me. So you got basi- me, man. Yeah, it's going to return to our horror roots, too. Um, and it's 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 another time travel horror film. Uh, these two two twenty something people today, they're you know how they could get these people love the nineteen eighties and they dress up like right. flock of seagulls or whatever, right. and they keep saying, "Oh man, I wish that were around back then." And I keep telling them, uh, "No, you don't. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> you didn't have it cell phones." You had to think, you know, every thought a human person could think in their life while you're standing in line in the post office. Uh, You had bar fights about who's in this movie and who's not. When nowadays you don't have to fight about it. You just look at your little, you know, cell phone. 
so this these right. guys basically they go back into a time machine. They've been bet that they can't even last a a fucking weekend in the 1980s. <laughs> and so basically, this is a horror film. They go back to the 1980s, and of course, all this the, the Hillside Strangler makes an appearance, as does uh. Bill Spector, the 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 producer, and. So it's going to be lots of horror and lots of fun and a lot of gigs at the 1980s, too. You are so true. It is so right. It is so true. I I tell people this all the time. Everybody I know that's younger, they they think it was all, you know, MTV. They think that I said, you know, me and my friends would sit down to watch MTV and just jam out on some cool metal or some cool British synth music or something. Yes, MTV played that stuff about once every two hours. You were listening to <laughs> Barry Manilow and Air Supply the rest of the yes. time. It was horrid. <laughs> horrid. It really was. Landscape. <laughs> and to say um, nothing about a political landscape, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But well, you know what? Tough. It was tough. People but you know what? No, I don't think they do. And you know what? I mean, in as much as, you know, I love music from any era and I love music from today. Um, that and But there wasn't, like in the, the 1960s and 70s, there's so much great music. But oh, they were yeah. still the minority. You know, if right. I, I did all this study, and I, I can tell you what was on the charts in 1968, 69, and so forth. And, you know, the biggest song of 1969, think of all the great music that was back then, right? You got Abbey Road. Oh, yeah. Something. And you, you, so you have the Rolling Stones and Let It Bleed. Man, and Jimmy Selfridge. Like, you I got. Mean, how could you not be inspired? You know? Right. Everything was you, happening, you know? That, but, but that being said, you got Led Zeppelin, all these things from 1969. The biggest song of 1969 was Sugar, Sugar by the Archies. So I'm just saying, it exists everywhere at any given time. There was there was some oh, guy named Doctor Hook in the 70s. He just was he just like almost every year he had like a top ten hit, <laughs> and it's like you never remember any of that music today. Now everybody's like, oh, well, back in the 70s it was great. You had Pink Floyd and blah blah blah. Mm. It's like yeah, you did, but. That wasn't on the radio, you know, it wasn't on AM right. radio, that's for sure. I remember so, when, when I think of, like, what you're talking about in the 70s, you know what, what horrid, horrid, you know, when I hear that they play this, because I just was reading an article where they were playing, they were having some kind of truck protest somewhere, I can't remember where it was, and they were like, they're playing Barry Manilow to just get these people to disperse. And I'm like, well, that's terrible. Um <laughs> Poor Barry. How would you like to be Barry Manilow? You wake up and you read that article. You know, that's... Yeah. Um, and besides, if you would have found that... Uh, what was her name? Debbie Boone, You Light Up My Wife. Yes. People that's so funny. That was the first thing that came into my mind when you said that. Yes, that was the biggest song of 1977. Oh, my It's God. crazy. Uh, but, you know, there was also in the... You know, doing the research for the... 60s music for uh, Second Age mm-hmm. of Aquarius, you know, I found these all-girl groups that I'd never heard of, um, uh, black psychedelia, you know, all these psychedelic, black oh, wow. psychedelic bands, 
And then, like I was saying, there was the first synthesizer hit was in 1969 with Popcorn. And I have, and it was re-released as a hit. In, it, yeah, and it, I, on, our, we, on our Russell Aquarius uh, YouTube channel, I posted, uh-huh. in addition to seeing our videos from the film, I have posted cool stuff from the 1960s that a lot of people have never heard of, like great, great um, artists, you know, like that the synthesizer group, which is, by the way, it was on like, I don't know, like Dick Clark or something like that. Right. And they're playing the synthesizer music. These hippie people, they don't even know what to do. They're trying to dance like, to it. Where's the like, spaceship coming at? Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But people don't realize, you know, there's there's so much out there that was not, you know, wasn't it, it, the people don't know about that. That's worth a second look. And I also oh, posted absolutely. a lot of 1960s, uh, you know, drug movies, cult films, you know. Mm. So I got a bunch of trailers, and you can check out at the Russell Aquarius channel on YouTube. I did like in the film. When and you guys slipped it in there, it wasn't a, a big thing, um, but it, I, I noticed it, and uh, not just from my own wild youthful past, uh, but he was. Um, she had showed him the, the documentary about what had happened to him, and uh-huh. um, they, they were talking, and he had kind of made this joke about Robert Plant stealing some of his uh, lyric lines and whatnot, and uh, then they're like. When we return, Robert Plant will talk about how he remembers him falling into the the torturous drug uh, addiction and all this and that. And his look on his face was just embarrassing. I felt yeah. that look a few times in my life. When you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, God, what did I do? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody from last night. Um, he got it. <laughs> He, he, uh, you know, he he brought that home. <laughs> yeah, well, and, I thought it was and fantastic. On, thanks. Um, with the whole thing is that Russell Aquarius died in 1970 on stage at the Gettysburg Music Festival, um, where he was when he was electrocuted. Um, so basically, mm-hmm. he doesn't know any of that. You know, that's why he's got to be sh- shown this behind the music thing on 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 Russell Aquarius. Uh, we do have a lot of jokes about Robert Plant throughout. We kind of make that a through line of how uh, Russell Aquarius thinks that Robert Plant stole everything from him. Um, so <laughs> I hope we're not sued by the real Robert Plant, but hey, you know. No, um, I think he would laugh. I think he would laugh because he probably knew I a lot of so. people that didn't make it through, like poor, yeah, you know, Russell. Um, oh man, I'm telling you. I, I remember you. I saw you know that you know that movie Almost Famous the, the Christopher oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah yeah and I remember that um, I'm sorry Cameron Crowe Cameron Crowe is like playing it like for the rock stars friend, uh, friends of his which included Robert Plant. And he was like a little bit leery about playing it for Robert Plant because there's a mm. scene where the guy dives off into the into the thing, you know, into the pool and says, I'm a golden god. And, uh, and later right. the, 
the the character says, "No, I never did that." Well, out and when they screened it, Robert Plant yelled out from the audience. She goes, "Well, I fucking did it." <laughs> so he, he he owned up to saying he's a golden god and doing a swan dive into a hotel oh, yeah. pool. Well, why, you know, why? That's that's just it. I, I think a lot of people with, you know, the rock star mythos um, trope, if you will. That's a terrible word I hate. But, um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of these guys, it's it's so interesting to me um, when you see, especially with social media now, um, when something bad happens, uh, a rock star has a bad time, something happens, you know, they, they, they OD or wind up in a, in a rehab, you know, something happens bad. And people are like so surprised. They're like, well, why would they do that? They had all, they had everything going and everything was fancy. I'm like, because number one, drugs are fun and they're not used to having millions of dollars at their disposal, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. why they do it. Are you kidding me? And, you and, would and probably that, do it too. You probably would. I mean, it, it's Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. I remember he's saying that. Uh, cocaine is God's way of telling you you make too much money. Exactly. And he's like, he's so lost. <laughs> There's a guy who's lost millions and millions to cocaine, so he knows what he's talking uh, about. Absolutely. But, you, know, I, you know, and and obviously I'm not I'm not pushing anything. I I don't personally like you uh, know hallucinogenic. Yeah, no, I don't do any of whatever. that anymore myself. Yeah, I, I don't either. But you know, but if you did it, if you did it, don't be bullshitting. Like you know, I, I hate this kind of revisionism. I'd be like, you know, oh, oh no, yeah. White Rabbit had nothing to do with drugs. Or <laughs> I love Ted Nugent saying like, "Journey to the center of your mind," where the Amboy Dukes that song from the '60s. He's like, oh no, it had nothing to do with drugs. How could you even think that? And it's like, why don't you just own you up to either? If if it wasn't about drugs, then you're an idiot. You know, like I mean, you can't have it both ways. Like you talk about drugs and doing stuff to this journey to the center of your brain and all this weird shit's gonna happen. It's like if you didn't associate that with drugs, that almost makes you even stupider. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's you know, and again, I'm the same way. I'm not. You know, trust me. Um, you know. I, I, when I say drugs are great, um, what I mean are drugs are great until they're not. And, yeah, um, yeah. That happens a lot quicker if you decide to go down that path than uh, most people will honestly tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can and, go and, bad quick. Then you can go bad quick. And that's obviously like, you know, what kind of drugs? <laughs> you know, pot is obviously exactly. a very different thing than, than crystal meth but you know i I think it's funny though i i I mean if you look at the the music that was playing at rock festivals in the late 60s from monterey pop to woodstock Mm. you know i have to i i know there's a lot of confluences you know a lot of factors involved but i have to think that you know lsd and those kind of drugs had a way to maybe it was part of it, and it opened people's minds so that you, at these – think of a – look at Woodstock. You have mm-hmm. you have obviously Jimi Hendrix, and you've got folky groups like Richie Havens, but you also had 
Sitar, you had Ravi Shankar, you had Shanana, the 50s doo-wop group, you know, you had Sly Stone, and people were, were listening to all that. They were just, you know, they were open to that. It wasn't just one genre of music like you generally hear when you go to a rock concert these days. So I oh, don't know. Absolutely. Maybe maybe it's and, drugs. Maybe maybe you know, it's boredom. They had nothing else to do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. People, you know, I will say this uh, completely. Um, you know, drugs were definitely part of that cult, that culture, that pop culture. Absolutely, you would not have had a David Bowie or the glam rock scene or any of that without drugs. It was yeah. a straight-edge glam rock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh-huh. I think there's, you know, and if it, if I mean, and it, maybe it's not the drugs itself, but it's kind of just a metaphor, I guess, for people opening uh-huh. their minds and listening and doing and, and being open and receptive to things they normally wouldn't be. So, you know, Absolutely. I mean, for good or for Absolutely. bad, right? There's, there's a bad part of that, but... Um, Certainly, cocaine well, and and those movies from uh, the late seventies, like Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You can't tell me that's oh not man. an anti-drug message right there. Yeah, just play that for somebody. They'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Um, oh man, I'm going to turn into George Burns. What's going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> so true. So true. But it's, you know, every generation, every every cutting edge artistic movement, I mean, you can look at the 30s and the rise of jazz and, and big band and whatnot, you know, uh, yeah, take the speakeasy aspect out of that, you know, the nightclub out, out of it, you know, you wouldn't have it. It wouldn't work. Right. Right. You know? And, and it Nobody wouldn't work. Nobody was sitting around if... their garage playing free-flown, free-flown jazz. Right. Yeah, you're right. And and it is interesting to see, like, you know, everybody likes to think, like, well, if I were around in the 60s, I would have been, you know, in the anti-war movement and marching in the civil war, civil rights movement. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. But, yeah, you don't know. It's it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's easy after the fact to say, like, all this stuff, but. You know, honestly, I, you know, I, I don't want to get political here, but I can say that doing ads on Facebook, you see what, what people like uh, in classic bands, and and you'll you'll see a lot of political conservatism going hand in hand, and it's like it's not oh, the rock stars of that era; they weren't they, and they won't tell you to vote for Trump, but you know, it's people are like. You know, their father said, oh, you know, Stan Kenton and, you know, the the Dorsey brothers. Now, that's music. Right. And blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, these guys growing up and they're like, well, you know, Led Zeppelin. Now, that was music, not like this crap today. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Bruce, it's the same so thing. I got so many older right? conservative friends that are like big boss fans, you know, and I'm like, how I, – when when nobody wins or when one when one of us when everybody wins we all win or I can't remember the quote but I said how do you guys like Bruce Springsteen <laughs> have you ever listened yeah, to his I know. music the lyrics <laughs> right and he's basically telling people don't listen to me if if you're gonna be like that 
And and you know the, the whole the whole absurdity of people saying, well, you know, it's of course they can be liberal because they got all this money, so they can talk like this. Well, you can't talk like anything unless you have a lot of money. So you know, right. honestly, <laughs> if I were to give a political opinion, nobody gives a shit about what I have to say. You have to be a multimillionaire to actually have some piece at the table of the media. So guess what? It's only going to be what you call hypocrites talking, you know, if they're going to give a liberal bent. And, you know, mm. honestly, what's better to be, to be, you know, to, to want to change the world and be a human being and be, you know, have your flaws <laughs> or be a people. dick who doesn't care about like changing anything. And, and, you know, they try to make some sort of moral relativism between like a Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler, you know, it's kind of like right. you know this this Trumpism. Like, what aboutism? It's like, oh yeah, well look at Biden, he's doing. You know, again, I don't go in a political bent, but I do say like, there's this thing of like a difference between being wanting to do good and failing, than a person who doesn't want to do good in the first place. I don't see them as being on equal par. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the big thing, the big thing that riled, that kicked this anthill in the first place, I agree with you. We, you know, we could, we could, we could do a political show sometime, though. <laughs> down for I'll be on. Yeah. But the, uh, the big, how this anthill got kicked in the first place is we had a black president. People freaked yeah. out, man. And a good yes. black president. That, that was the thing. Educate great, did great, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, and that's what freaked people out about it. Again, race issues in this country, you know. And um, and if you do have a problem with race, I want you to definitely watch the Second Age of Aquarius and look for the uh, the final act in the film. You'll love it. It'll be right your cup of tea. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> And um, please leave a comment and share your viewpoint on that. Uh, I would yeah. love to see that. Uh, I'm just happy that art affected you. That's all I'm saying. No, it was a yeah. it was a really good movie. I I really you know um, bringing it back, Darren. I I really really think you hit it out of the park with this. Um, and I can't Thank wait. To see, I can't wait to see the '80s one, man. Um, yeah, fantastic. yeah, well, fantastic. Whatever I can do to help, let me know, man. Let me know. Okay. I, I wish I was a movie producer. I'm not. Uh, but, you know. I, well, you're an amateur big... futurologist, and everybody That's needs right. that in the movie business. Maybe we'll be like, to Vegas some weekend. And, uh, well, and, and we'll we... use it as we'll take you to a meeting, <laughs> our meetings, and say, well, you may not think this is going to be really big. But here's my futurologist, and he knows it's going to be really big movies. So, come on, write your checkbooks. Exactly. Well, the great thing, if we go to Vegas, you know, the, yes, Vegas is full of fancy hotels, but me and Darren both know somebody who lives there and just got a brand new house and everything. So lots of room. I know. You know, that we could just, we'll just. She'll wake up and go, I've got two Russell Aquariuses in my house. What is yeah. going on? <laughs> I can't get this rid of no them. no good at all. I and know. all we'll ask her is, what's for dinner? 
What's for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> What's for dinner, babe? Uh, can you just clean up this crap too? Because I don't like to see yeah. a lot of mess around. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, and she. Do you, do you know Aaron? Aaron Kai, her her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know him. I don't. I haven't. I haven't had the pleasure to meet him personally, but I I, uh, I see his posts and stuff on social media. For, uh, yeah, for he's real. He's great. And I was thinking of you because you know you're an artist, and he's he's also a very talented artist. So um, oh, good for them know. out there. I'm gonna check that out. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 his thing is, he says uh, his tagline is, "I paint the movies," and he nice. he paints like stills of of you know like let's say Bullet or you know. Uh, lots oh, of classic movies, and it's just it's just phenomenal. He's he's a very talented guy. So yeah, oh, I, awesome. I, I'm you can a make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Yeah, you can make a lot of money doing that. Check his workout, folks. I'm telling you, Father's Day is just around the corner, and you know what? All a lot of fathers have these days, and um, and they all love it. This is always a home run. Uh, if you're looking for a cool Father's Day, they all have man caves. So whatever your father's passion is, might be film, might be Steve McQueen in the movie Bullet. I'm telling you, I've painted a lot of man cave paintings. You can't, but people always think they're like, oh, are those the the sexy women you paint? I'm like, no, those will never go in a man cave. (laughs) (laughs) That will never fly. Those are bachelor paintings, man. Right, Um, right. It's Charles Bronson goes. Fatal, yeah, Charles, yeah, Charles Bronson. Now that's a man. That's man cave material. Right, I'm telling you. I'm telling. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I, what comes to mind is I did a big Gene Simmons painting, and um, you know the guy <laughs> who uh, who it wound up in his man cave, and they're you know successful. They've got a, a good business and whatnot. He sent me a picture. And it's right next to his Kiss pinball machine. I'm like, yep, there you go. That's oh. where that needed to be. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's the great. home it needed. <laughs> you know, I was slightly jealous because I have no pinball. I'm not at that point yet where I have cool. Let me ask you this, Darren. Now you've had, you know, a successful movie guy and all this and that. Do you have uh, cool toys? Cool way. Toys like pinball machines and stuff. I wish I I did, you know. I I have cool old uh, <laughs> instruments. I collect uh, lots oh, of okay. instruments, a lot of ethnic lots instruments, of instruments and stuff. But nice. it's funny you should even say that. Here I'm doing a whole show about Aaron Kai. I hope he's listening. Um, he actually was the pinball champ of New York, like in the '80s. So really, he goes to there's uh, some sort of bar at uh, in. In in Las Vegas, where they have all these old pinball machines, yeah. So he, you know, I guess he keeps his skills he up in. on that. He's like a gunslinger. Everybody's yeah, like thinking yeah. they're cool and can do their thing, and then in walks Aaron. I love and it. And then walks he's Aaron, like and, and he's not even deaf, Ooh, blind, man. and dumb, and he still can play. <laughs> he still gets and those flipper fingers. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna definitely have to get him on the show. I'm gonna be bugging Stacy about this. Um, yeah. Because I know, I know that's the way to do it. Um, <laughs> I'll put the, the the idea in her ear. 
I'm yeah. Deep, I'm deep, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh man, that is cool. I tell you the big thing in the eight speaking of the eighties, when I was a kid, when I was no I was a kid in the eighties, I def when I grew up, I said, you know, I knew I was gonna be successful doing something. I didn't know what, you know. Um but my 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 goal, my barometer of success was I was going to have one of those you know, they had video games everywhere. But every so often you'd go into a place and they'd have a sit-down table video game, you know, with like Galaga or Pac-Man or whatever on it. didn't matter. Uh-huh. But I knew I had made it when I got – and I have yet to get one of those tables. <laughs> I, I need – I don't have room for it. My wife oh, no. Right. <laughs> yeah, those are so funny. House. The, the, the oh. sit-down ones. I remember the Pong game. You know, and it was like yeah, it was expensive even back then. It was like a quarter or something. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You lose on a game these days, you haven't spent any money. Big deal. There's right. another game. <laughs> back then, in the hard days, son, we had to walk five we miles in the snow to, to Google. Games. Yeah, we had to stand in the snow. <laughs> yeah, Googling oh, meant great. something very different. A, a selfie meant something very different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> it was something you, you were get trying in to trouble avoid doing. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> a selfie could make you blind, son. <laughs> Why do you think Darren got into bands and music? Stop, so we you can know. avoid selfies, you know, to meet girls. I, that was the whole point. I, I, uh. I definitely, the doctor said, you need to find a hobby that'll get you off your <laughs> autoeroticism. And I'm like, well, why not, why not film? You're like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was watching oh, some funny. show the other day where this guy's like, um, I've been given so much in the world, and I just feel like I want to give back. So I'm becoming an actor. And it's just like the idea of like giving back to society as a musician or actor. Well, I kind of like that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It reminds, you know, it's weird in this country, too, because the artists and whatnot, um, at least I have found, um, like my first time I ever went to France, to Paris, um, you know, you tell, pe- you tell people that people ask what you do, you know, especially if you're a guy, um, you know, it's really your job is your identity almost. It's really wrapped right. up in that. And, you know, you tell people, I tell people, oh, I'm a painter. And they're like, first thing they say is, well, cars or houses. And I'm like, well, it depends on how big the check is. Um, but <laughs> I'm down for painting either, you know. Uh, yeah. Then they find out. And the reaction is, oh, let's keep an eye on the silverware. We're in Paris. People, you get treated like a duck. Well, right this way, sir. Here, right up on the by the stage. Um, you know, it's it's like you're a lawyer or something. Uh, yeah, it's different in this country. I don't know if it's that way with musicians. Yeah, I think that's that's right. And you know, it's like, you know, it's not like, well, what's your real job or, uh, <laughs> you know, what's the day I job? think I think it's a, it's it's I, I don't know about all countries, but I do think like a lot of difference in Western Europe than the United States is here people kind of humble brag about how hard they work, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, and and everybody, it's not just just whatever, stockbrokers or whatever, but even among a fellow artists, they'll be like, I haven't 
taken a vacation for X number of years. Well, in Europe, that's not something to brag about. That doesn't sound no. like a smart, you know, it's not like you work <laughs> hard. Yeah, it's like, well, I didn't hear you. Did you say you enjoyed your life? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we can't do that. That's being lazy. Yeah, right. Um, I can only yeah, enjoy my life. Part. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do anything to enjoy it. You don't, there has to no, what is that, like a predicate to, you know, once I have this, I'll be happy. You know, I, I, right. I, I definitely think, you know, that happens everywhere in the world, but I do think it seems to be even more endemic here in the United States, that, that attitude. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this country, I think, and again, not to get a political bent or anything, but I definitely think that there's a – I grew up in Metro Detroit, and so it was very obvious to me from a very young age that the, it, was, it was pumping out workers for the factory. You know, that, that's really mm. what – like in my high school, nobody was encouraged to go to college. You know, maybe a couple kids. Oh, this kid will be a doctor, uh-huh. maybe. You know, but every but really, go get a job. Your uncle's a union steward. Go get a job in the factory, and you know mm-hmm. you'll you'll get a boat and an up north cabin. And when you get really successful, you'll get a house in Florida, and that's where you'll be <laughs> in the winter time. Um, and that was really the 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 thing. But I think in the whole country, it's kind of in the video game called America. Um, you know, work, 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 work. Uh, it, it is just drummed into people. And, yeah. You know, there's no uh <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, for those sending emails, is why we have no sh- live shows next week. <laughs> I'm taking the week off. <laughs> My wife I saw that. Yeah, yeah, where are you going? Man. Where? Where? Well, there's a you... we're not going far. We're just going over to the Gulf side of the state. There's a real fancy a big uh art museum over there called uh uh what what is it? The not the Remington, it's the uh I can't think of the name of it now. The the Ringling. Ringling. Is what it's, the, the guys who started the Ringling Circus made a whole boatload okay. of money. And then before they lost it all, they started a big art museum. So there's a big pinky huh. out, fancy, dancy art thing that, you know, takes up, I don't know, 200 acres or something. And really? My wife wants to see it all. Yeah. So we're going to look at fancy art and, you know, harumph a lot and, um, uh, that's what we like to do on our off time. But, um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, but, yeah. Where, where is my, it? Uh, where, where Sarasota. Is it? Sarasota area. Huh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have to up look in that, into that. The woods. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. I'll send you some links and stuff. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. And there's some resort thing we're staying at. And uh, she's set it all up. And it's, uh, you know. But yeah, my uh, it's funny because a lot of the PR people I deal with they're like, "You're taking a week off? What is that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Did somebody die? Are you, Has there been a? Yeah, exactly right. You know. That's the first thing. It's like either you're dying or somebody you know is dying. That would be the only reason to take off work. Yeah, but I mean, that's like, great. So you working too hard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, I tell your wife, I say. I say happy birthday. Yeah, definitely. I definitely will. I definitely will. But we do that. We we take a, a usually, and it's funny because people, I think, right into what you were saying, about once a quarter, at least three or four times a year, we take a, a few days at least, sometimes a week, and go do something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we work real hard until we, it's 
so we can, you know, it's nice. Um, if it's, that's the carrot on the stick in our particular case, you know. Um, right. But, and it's not all about trying to work as hard as you can so you can retire. You know, it's like, no. well, why not be enjoying your life and doing what you want to do now? You may have to work till the rest of your life, but I'd rather do that. That's not really work anyway. <laughs> it's what I would be doing well, if the, I were on vacation. I'll tell you, a long time ago I learned, oh, here's the big secret of my life. I never thought I would make it to it. I didn't think I would make it to this age. <laughs> yeah, know? me it's neither. Like, yeah. Every day I wake up, I'm like, oh, another day. bonus. <laughs> I <laughs> know. Well, the, the Zach Kasich, who was the, uh, he owns Wild Feather Studios in Nashville, the one who did mm-hmm. the uh, recording and engineering with us and mixing. Um, he, when he was like something like 13, he was diagnosed with serious cancer, like uh, Hodgkin's mm. disease or something like that. Ooh. And and he didn't think he was going to live past 20. And now he's like 30 years old, and he's but he's saying like every day is like a bonus day to him. Every day above ground is like oh, yeah. you know it's that much more sweet to him knowing that he he didn't even expect it. And I was thinking I should really be like that more often. I I I, I don't really. But it's hard. You know I, I need to. It's hard to get. Yeah, that I need to back. feel more. It, it really is. Yeah, it really is. And we well, actually, uh, you know, a gentleman by the name of Sham Andre Byron, uh, he mm-hmm. was, he, we put a dedication to him at the end of the film because he passed away last year um, unexpectedly. Mm. But he was one of those kind of people that literally gave people the shirts off his back. If somebody said, I love that mm. shirt, he literally gave it to him. He did all these things and he died actually helping his uncle move and that was just the kind of person he was um and um when we went to his his memorial service which uh, it was at the whiskey a go-go by the way in 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 sunset strip uh totally appropriate for this guy he was a rock you know he was a musician and and um and and uh artist but all these people they were like somebody's like raise your hand if he drove you to the airport. There must have been like 25 people raised their hand. He goes, raise your hand if he drove one of your kids or your spouse to the airport. There's like another 50 people raising their hands. Mm. It was like, I just thought, you know, to the extent that I, I can I want to be, be that memory. I want to be, yes, exactly. And, um, you know, it really, did, his life really, um, you know, means a lot to me. And, and I think what he did um, uh, trying to every day doing what he'd call a random sham. His name is Sham. Random sham act mm-hmm. of kindness. I just thought, you know, maybe I don't know if I could be that good, but at least I can try. So Absolutely. I am trying. Absolutely, and that's all we can do, you know. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of people who pass and, and whatnot, I did notice the set design had a real cool poster in her apartment in the movie. And I thought that was very cool when I saw that in the background. Um, uh, the Ventures the movie? movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. A lot of their music in my paintings, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. You know. 
It kind of sounds, um, what, what is the song that plays in the beginning of the show? It sounded kind of like Adventures type of thing. Or a, or a Dick Dale. You know, that was just some, that was, I, when I started doing the show, I, I actually bought, it, it cost me, I don't know, 80 bucks or something, but they sent me all these CDs of royalty-free music to use in a oh. podcast, you know? And so that was, I think, the 11th thousand thirty second uh, little clip that I listened to, and I'm like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I and like so it. I used to change them every couple of uh, months, and uh, people are like, oh, you always got some new stuff. I haven't changed that in three years, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to listen to all those clips again. <laughs> yeah, well, you very- know, it's... It sounds like spaghetti western, like you know, and yeah, Rico Marconi yeah. type of thing. I I like it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's well at the time. Maybe it's probably been longer than three years. At the time, I used to have there was a PR company I used to do a lot of work with, and I think they've since gone out of business because um, I don't hear from them much anymore. I don't know who knows. The the world's weird now. Um, but I was having uh, I had a lot more country western acts on the show too. In addition to rock, you know, just it was this PR company dealt in that, and uh, so they would come across the desk a lot. And um, I thought, well, this music fits all of it. It could be country people guests on the show or rock people, you know, whatever. Um, it's got a Tarantino vibe to it, and mm-hmm. we don't have any country people anymore. But the song's still there because <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy. Anyhow, anyhow, Darren, I I have kept you so much longer than I was supposed to, but I really had so much fun today. Thank you so much for taking time out to be on the show, and you're welcome back anytime, man. Anytime. Well, thanks. It was great talking yeah. with you, and uh, have fun in, in, in Sarasota at that place. It sounds really cool. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been. The Salvador Dali Museum's there also, I think, where uh, – we're hitting as well, I, from what I understand. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not in charge in our house. I just, I just work here. You know, <laughs> you, you're you going along for the ride. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I got a bossy Italian wife. What can I tell you? Um, <laughs> no, it's not that bad, folks. She's a peach. She's a peach. Yeah. Anyhow, good luck with everything. Break a leg and. Um, I will, uh, I'm going to stay right in touch and uh, we're going to see how this goes. Folks, you've got to check it out. We've been talking about it for the whole uh, past an hour here. Uh, the Second Age of Aquarius, it's out on streaming. I want you to watch this tonight. Tonight, all your shows aren't on yet. Everybody's on vacation, so there's nothing on. Um, you know, yeah, you could watch a rerun of American Ninja Warrior, but, um, you know, they're going to go across the jungle gym set. That's all I'm telling you. Watch <laughs> something new and interesting, the second age of Aquarius. Plus, none of us can pronounce that one guy's name anyway on that show. Anyway, <laughs> this is a fantastic film. <laughs> thanks well, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Anytime. Folks, we will see you. Um, oh, yeah, we're on tomorrow. We've got, oh, speaking of which, we've got a fantastic if hair metal 80s is your thing, man, we've got the fantastic band Nova Rex on tomorrow. they got a brand-new singer, um, John Bisha. He's, uh, you might have known, he was singing for the babies there. 
And uh, now he's also singing for Nova Rex or only Nova Rex. I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. And that's going to be a heck of a show. So tune in for that. That's tomorrow afternoon. We will see you then. Have a good one, everybody. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.